Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, Three, two, This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. A fine Balls Wednesday to you and yours. Good to be with you. Great to be with you, in fact. Appreciate you joining us as well. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. Director Matthew in the house. Listening on 93.3. Appreciate that. Careful while you're driving around out there. If you're watching on YouTube, what's up? Big week. Big week for Florida State. I'm pumped. I'm actually anxious for this game Saturday. I've been waiting on this one because uh, I want to see this offense turn the corner. I think they have a chance Saturday. I had a chance to look over some more Virginia Tech, and they suck. This should be a lot of fun. Uh, on offense, Florida State ought to move the ball rather handily and and, and really kind of any way they want to. So if they don't, we've got problems. I'll just issue that now on a Bulls McWednesday. They don't move the ball well this weekend. we got real problems on offense. Yeah, that's interesting. I watched uh, the Pitt game because that's their best – you know, it's the yeah. best example of what Virginia Tech is. They get downhill and they tackle, but man, where their receivers open Woo! down the field. Like the, the, All day, Tommy. It's It should be a party for Florida State's offense this Saturday. Right, and and what they might do is play off and play very soft because they want to keep things underneath. Again. But if they played straight up, the way they just played Dracovic and Pitt, yeah. I know we want to see underneath throws, but I think the deep ball would actually be the thing that you, you dial up because they kick 
I mean, just kids were running free, and those are Pitts receivers. Yeah, I think they'll play off, and I think we'll throw underneath and have success doing that. They'll test patience. I think the only way that they can play Florida State is to not give up the big play and try to keep it in front of them and hope Florida State gets frustrated. Hope that Jordan's inaccurate. Hope that he's not running. Hope that uh, they you know commit some penalties. Maybe they can't get the run game going, something like that. They do get downhill and fly to the ball, but yes, you're correct. This is um, There's a reason the spread's close to 28. Yeah, they're not good. They're not good, and it's but the spread keeps moving down now, Tom. It's yeah. weird; it keeps moving way yeah. down. Um, you know, I just don't. People don't know what to make of Florida State. Virginia Tech is coming off their best game of the year, where they may have found who they are. Really, I think they did find who they are. They just happened to find it against a god awful pit team. That's the other thing about watching the Virginia Tech pit game. What happened, my man Narduzzi? What are we doing? That pit team cannot block. That's correct. They yeah. cannot block. There's yeah. nothing about that team that's good right now. Uh, they've got. Issues galore. We'll worry about them later. I think that was more about Pitt is awful than Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is what they are, which is just a team that has to try to hold the football, run it a ton with their quarterback, who's a big, strong kid. Um, you know, he's their second leading rusher. He's he's probably their best rusher. He's uh, that they have to hope to win field position and time of possession and shorten the game. One of the strangest things I've ever seen coming out the box from Pitt. So their first series, they call a couple of runs. Both are stoned. It's third and 10. It's third and long. Not ideal. They call a draw. First series of yeah. the game. Yeah. We're not going to set it up or anything. We're just going to run, run a draw. And then they call a draw. Yeah. Like they threw the white flag on their first possession, which yeah. was just really weird. But yeah, if you look at the pressure allowed rates in college football, power five, you know, division one, whatever you want. Hits up where up near fifty percent of the time that mm-hmm. they're dropping back, they're giving up a pressure to a standard rush. Yeah, that's a that's a tough way to play football at Pitt this year. Kind of wish we were playing Pitt this weekend, but we're yeah. playing the next yeah. best thing. The team that uh, beat Pitt badly is not good either. That was a battle of incompetence there with those two teams. Now, this ought to be a day again. The offense has already shown the propensity to hit big plays. We know we see Connolly's numbers, but you also watch the game. I mean, if you watch the game, you know that Florida State hasn't really been able to get the offense humming, in particular because they can't run the ball. The combination of Trey Benson, Lawrence Tollfield, and Rodney Hill have averaged just just over 4.5 yards per carry uh, with two rushes of just two the whole year of, of 20 yards or more. That that ain't going to get it done. They, they haven't had big plays on the ground. Of course, uh, we know that Jordan's not running the ball either, so you're not getting big plays there. We're 125th in rushing success rate. That's as bad as you're going to ever see a Mike Norvell team be. 125th in rushing success rate is deplorable. So you have to hope now that this thing is healthier, meaning Jordan, because if he runs the ball, it opens up the running game across the board for everybody. You have to hope they figured out the personnel situation up front with the offensive line, mix and match those guys and figure out what they got. We'll, we'll go from there and see if we can get that run game going. Uh, but in the passing game, I just don't see where Virginia Tech can cover this team. This should be a big day. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you want to attack it, you kind of have your choice here. And that's the, the point of me coming out the box today and bringing this up is that, all right, it's time to cook, man. It's time to go to work. You, you now, it's all out there for you. We've all watched college football through these first uh, five weeks, and we, we just came off that bye at a needed time for the bye, and we saw a whole lot of mm, pretty average to slightly above average football from the best teams. There weren't, you know, like Michigan probably played the most complete game of anybody, but it was against Nebraska, and Nebraska's terrible. They don't have a quarterback, and so they could never get anything going. When it was 14 to nothing, Michigan, Nebraska went for it on fourth and one at the Michigan 15, I think is where it was, and they didn't get it. Well, it was a ball game. That's a wrap. It was over. Michigan went down and scored. 
21 to nothing, it's over. And when you watch these other teams, you know, I mean, Texas is impressive, but again, it was 10 to 10 in the third quarter against Wyoming. So there are moments where they're not that impressive, even though I would probably, based on their resume, have them in the top three without question. Um, you watch, again, we do this with everybody in America. Georgia struggles to score. Period. They have a real hard time. Now, they may have the most dynamic tight end in the history of football, but short of him, they don't do anything all that well offensively. They're still a juggernaut on defense. We know Alabama's had their woes. We can go through it. Ohio State struggled to score the entire game against Notre Dame. It was incredible to watch. You can do this with everybody. This weekend, we get the Red River, so that will help decide whether Oklahoma or Texas is the real giant of the conference. Yep. And Pac- then in the Pac-12. Pac-12 opens up next few weeks. Yep, they all play each other. So you get back to saying the same things we've been thinking, but now it's time. Now you put your foot on the accelerator. It's all out there for you. Go start to play your best football against a team that's not really equipped to do it. And let's not forget that some of this, I do think, again, the byproduct of Clemson bludgeoning Florida State's offensive line, dominating Florida State's offensive line, rendering Florida State to be a one-trick pony on that afternoon, and yet they found a way to win the game. So that's all that matters. Now you won the game. Nobody else you line up against is going to be able to do that to you. Nobody else. There isn't another – nobody else that should be able to do that to you. Now, if that happens, we got bigger problems than we realize – We'll certainly talk about it if that's the case. But as of right now, I don't I don't see it. Yeah, and if you get Robert Scott, even Clemson wouldn't do to you to the level of what they did to, to render you as a one-trick pony. Because if Bless is on the right side, Robert's on the left, I think that helps an awful lot in the running game. The question that gets really interesting is, what did they decide that they are? We talked about this on Monday. Yeah. But you yeah. have self-scout week. You're looking at a lot of stuff. Things you did great, things you did poorly, and everything in between. What do you believe you are, Mike Norvell, at this point? And what we see formationally, what we see from the play calls, they're not going to air everything out against Virginia Tech, but they're going to give you an idea of what the base things they want to work on are, and that they might be different than we've seen the last season and a half. Yeah, and and you need this team to figure out who they are. The lack of identity is is troubling. I mean, I understand that you can hit on big plays. I brought up the stats about the four point, just over 4.5 yards per carry and only two rushes of over 20 yards for the season. That ain't going to get it done. But I could also bring up the fact that there are eight teams averaging more than two games per game of 40-plus yards. One of them is Florida State, and that's Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, averaging 10.8 catches between the three of them per game at over 16.5 yards per catch. They have big playability. We already know that, but they have not had any sustainable offense. It's not even a real offense. It's just been sort of a... That's a big play offense. It's It's an all-or-nothing offense. Yeah, well, it's just never going to get it done. That's not how it works. That's garbage. That's Jeff Bowden nonsense. You cannot sustain an offense that way. So... We know that. They've got to work in the other aspects. And it's one thing if that's all you have. If you really only have two guys and a quarterback that you kind of like who throws the deep ball or something, you might say, that's eh, kind of what we have to be, guys. We don't really have anything else. Nonsense. they got lots of other stuff. they got guys they're not utilizing. They've got running backs that haven't been able to get going yet. The offensive line has been wildly inconsistent. they got tight ends for days. they got a lot of things. And Jordan, if he's running, is an entirely different quarterback than the guy who's sitting back in the pocket, refusing to run, and not throwing accurately downfield. So they the, the window now for them to improve greatly marries with this weekend and the next game because those two teams are not teams that are going to shut down an offense with any kind of a balance at all. And Florida State could really look entirely different at the end of two weeks. When I come on here, let's say Balls Big Wednesday, not this upcoming week, but the following week, 
We may be talking about two games in which Florida State dropped 40-plus points, moved the ball with consistency, put together drives, not big plays, but drives. We may be talking about a very different set of data points than what we've seen up to this point. It's been a really weird year. It's been a really weird year so far. Yeah, and that's not crazy to believe or envision. And a talking point two weeks from now would be, all right, you've done that against some patsies. Here comes Duke, and Duke is smart, and they play, and you're going to have to beat them with discipline, and you're going to have to beat them with balance. And you could probably still score 28 to 30 points even if you don't achieve those things. But let's see you take that next step. But in order to be able to take that next step, we got to take this first one. And yeah. that happens this weekend, which I, I, like you, am very anxious and excited to I'm watch really this pumped. game. Yeah. Because a lot of times in a set, in a spot like this, like even last year, you know, that roadie at Syracuse, let's use that example. You know, might have been worried about Schrader at quarterback, but for the offense, we were going to do fine. You knew we were going to do fine. Yeah, yeah, you weren't worried about it in so, any way. You know, yeah. The Georgia Tech game, I wasn't worried about the Florida State offense when we hosted Georgia Tech last year. We were going to be okay. In a weird way, even though you're, you know, three, four score favorites over Virginia Tech, I don't know what I'm going to see. I think it's going to be good, but I don't know what I'm going to see. And that is weird against a team like Virginia Tech. Well, and when you say you don't know what you're going to see, you mean it quite literally. You don't know what they're going to choose to be. Yes, I don't know what formations. I don't know the right pass splits. Right, right. That's I don't the know. more yeah. intriguing conversation because if they're not good, whatever they choose to be, we've, we again, we have problems at that point. And I'm going to scream it from the mountaintops because you had a bye week to get right. This team is not good. We're not going to convince ourselves that Virginia Tech found something. They didn't. They're not good. There's all kinds of evidence to this end. Don't go out there and have this be 27-20 late in the fourth quarter and we're going, okay. Right. It doesn't mean that you have to win 56-7. to No. But it means, you know. No. But you have to have some semblance of an yeah. offense, an identity, something you're doing now that you can hang your hat on and, and you know, come back to time and again. Maybe you have some execution problems. Okay, the other guys are on scholarship too. I get the whole thing. But this has to be something more than what we've been relegated to. You go back, it's not just the last game. Everybody wants to say that's Clemson. That's true. It's also late third quarter, all of the fourth quarter offense against BC, which is ass, pure ass. So now you've got five and a half quarters of, hmm. That's why I say it ought not continue. You've had a bye week, you got healthy, Virginia Tech's not good. If it is, at that point, you'd have nine and a half quarters of we got problems. Well, the other thing is it's personnel. Obviously, there's guys that have been banged up, and Mike Norvell has gone on the record a lot more than I thought he would about Robert Scott and how Mm. close he's getting. Like Mm -hmm. He talks about him every day. That's, that's that's a whole lot of will in it to be. <laughs> it be. I think that's a whole but, lot of I need this guy back. Well, but there's no I, – I understand what happened with Boston College, but there is no need to push Robert Scott to play this weekend if it's 50-50. Well, I, I no, think. I agree with that. I, I agree. But they, they need him back. It's but, obvious. Now, I also don't want to overstate his return. Uh, their, their problems could be bigger than that. Their problems could be – him combined with, you know, the quarterback. They could, they could have bigger problems. I agree. I just, if they want to run counter – Maybe a little less buyers a tackle would help that, that matter a little <laughs> That bit. part of it's true, too. Yeah. Uh, but beyond the injuries, it's just, all right, what other personnel decisions are you making? Because I mean, the staff is talking about we we got to know who we want to be out there. Uh, you know, you could talk about defense and look at the safety position without Akeem Dent. Are they trying to find other solutions? Blake Nicholson was praised again this week of practice. Does he get more time? Well, it's back-to-back weeks that he's been praised, and we saw him get a lot of time in a game earlier this year because that's a guy that can cover. 
And then Coach Norvell praised Rodney Hill again yesterday in his post-practice. So you've said this before, that at times, if you really wanted to, especially in the NFL, especially in the pro, mm-hmm. pro game, if you really wanted to find a guy for maybe a DFS weekend that you take a flyer on, go watch the press conference. Go watch the press conference. They'll tell you. They'll so, tell you the story. I'm interested to see here, because Rodney Hill got praised before the Clemson game, and that series was befuddling for a lot of reasons. I don't know that it was Rodney's fault when it's 17-all and you call two straight runs to Rodney that that's necessarily his problem. But I, I do want to know, what do you see in that running back room? And do you still want to distribute the football two at a time to this guy, three at a time to that other guy? Because I don't know that that works either. I think you might just want to bear down with one primary dude. And let him get even going. If, even if it's a bad series. Let him get going. Yeah. I think it's still Trey. I really do think it's still should Trey. Be. I it think should it probably should, should be. We're less than a minute away from all of us grabbing our phones desperately and one, going, Ooh. One more hour. Oh, that's 220? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that ruins. I was gonna make. I was gonna pretend and prepare that I had a big announcement to make, and I was gonna do it right at two twenty <laughs> or what? <laughs> and we could all go. Ah! But alas, I screwed it up. They said it's gonna be a new sound. Apparently, uh, oh, even more annoying than the uh, previous it time that the well, state woke us up at four o'clock in the morning. You know, uh, Disney and Lucasfilm they purchased the rights to James Earl Jones' voice. Maybe the government picked Louis Anderson's voice, and they said they want him to be the new FEMA noise. <laughs> That's already bad. Holy moly. I've never seen a less enthused group of postseason fans than I did in Tampa Bay, St. Pete yesterday. What are we doing down there in St. Pete? Anything else but going to the ball game. Holy moly. If if dying ass Dick Vitale can get to games, you can find a way to get to games, guys. Good Lord. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a 
beer. Giant thing. No. And Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. Red River at noon? Yes, don't mind if I do. Tom will be at Hotel Indigo for the pregame show on Saturday. Once again, look forward to it. In fact, it's going to be great. Hopefully, if you're coming to the game, you'll make your way out to Hotel Indigo. Come find us on the top shelf. I like these uh, 330 windows for the way the weather hits up at the seventh floor of Hotel Indigo. 1230 to 230 show. Yeah, it's nice. Nice little breeze going. They've got all the accoutrements. If you want uh, an ice cold beverage, full bar, register sausage. Usually they got burgers upstairs, but they have a full smoker downstairs too, which is pretty cool. So you can grab food there, come on up, clean bathrooms, called football on the TV. Perfect. It's a good setup, man. So we'll be there at 1230 doing the show. 12 is when the door is open for those of you driving around, and uh, it's a good time. So I look forward to it. It should be good weather on Saturday for us. And then those games that I'm referencing in the noon slate – Red River being the biggest of the bunch. And, you know, by the way, the history of that rivalry is kind of nuts in terms of the scores. I-, I wondered what they would set that line at this week, the over-under at 60-and-a-half. I kind of wondered be- just because, I mean, they've had some outlandish scores. What was last year, 49 and nothing Texas? It was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was one of the weirdest games ever. But I was um, – yeah, Venables has got it turned around a little bit. <laughs> it should be a better game. That was a mess last year. But I'm trying to think, what did I have? I saw the number. That one feels like it could be a shootout, just like it used to be called. Yeah. I wasn't terribly impressed with Texas' defensive performance against Kansas and, and Bean. There were a lot of things that were open if that kid could hit literally water falling out of a boat. By the way, so the London game, is that a, is that also Jacksonville again? Are they just permanently over there? I think they are. That's what happens now. They've just sent them off to London forever. Uh, here's an early bet. Get it now before this line changes. Uh, that's everything wrong with that matchup for Jacksonville. The Bills are going to kill Jacksonville. That, jump on that and give the points. And uh, enjoy your Buffalo cruise to victory. This should be very easy. Um, I normally wait till Redemption Thursday, but that's a game. And then I've got a few others already. I'm on it. I'm on it this week, guys. I think we're going to roll. What do you think the average total plays per game this year in college football is combined? combined. Total plays. Total plays in a game. Uh, Slightly boy. down from last year, obviously. 138. That's a very good guess. It's around 130. Uh, your better teams play you know, a little bit more up-tempo, get yeah. about 140 yeah. combined. So that's where it's at right now. And this is a an aid for those of you looking to 
bet over-unders. Start adding possessions and looking at efficiency offenses and defenses and just total number of plays. It, it, we're getting a handle now on the effect of the running clock. We've got a better feel for the amount of plays per game and how that's translating in a point total. It sounds like roughly a dozen a game, six per yeah, side. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Somewhere in there, yeah, yeah. Somewhere around there, yeah. Um, but we have some intriguing games this weekend. I mean, the Washington State game should be fun. That Cameron Ward kid is really good. I don't know if you've seen his numbers. He's completing nearly 75% of his passes. He's got 13 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's throwing the ball 10-plus yards down the field per attempt. I, the kid's, like, legitimately good. Mm. And so this is the time of year where you've got four or five data points for every team, and you're able to kind of go, okay, we should start eating. We should do well. Yes, uh, this is a, a curve where if you're in a classroom in a college setting, after all, this is uh, college mm-hmm. football college that we town, yeah. and the whole class scores a 72, well, you're feeling pretty good. You know, you should, that 75 is going to get curved up. Life is good. Then there are some years where Alabama's out there and Georgia's out there. And they're <laughs> and you're operating like, peak. this is not good. And most everybody gets a 72, but they get a 95, and you go, well, Man, Great. this isn't fair. Thanks for nothing, Georgia. Thanks for nothing, Alabama. It's just so gettable this year. And there are so many, I mean, regardless of whether or not it's going to be a park your ass Saturday, I think moving forward every weekend, you're going to have at least one or two mega upsets in the making into the third and fourth quarter. Whether they finish that way or not, we'll see. But Auburn, Georgia, you know, that's not going to be well. That's them every, that's them every week, uh, Georgia. I mean, they, they struggled mightily against South Carolina, who's not good. So I, I, that's interesting to see this offense struggle like that. Across the board, though, I, I, I think it's just fair to expect that week by week moving forward. I mean, shoot, even USC Colorado was interesting in the second half. Now, Colorado had no interest in tying that game. They wanted to get it down to one score with the pace that they operated at uh, in the final five minutes. I didn't it was understand weird. that it was at weird. all. They Very were weird. Yeah. How do you play for the onside kick with four minutes to go? That doesn't make a lick of sense, but there's going to be a lot of these interesting games through the end of the year. Well, what do you do, for example? So I mentioned the noon game, Oklahoma-Texas this weekend. The other noon game that I guess we'll be paying attention to, I mentioned one of them, Washington State and UCLA. Washington State's at UCLA. Are they kicking that thing off? Well, that's noon our time, 3 o'clock. Is that right? Nine. No, that's that's not right. That's got to be a 3 o'clock kick. That's a mistake. Uh, Really quickly, LSU-Missouri is a noon game. That I know for sure. And... You know, we've now seen enough of this LSU defense to say, damn it, man, you're not doing us any favors. Not doing us any favors. Yeah, I'm looking at the sheet. It's uh, 3 o'clock Washington yeah. State. UCLA. Yeah, 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 we're good. We're good. Uh, Virginia Tech, Florida State, we know. Obviously, that number's down to 24 now. That's also a window with Alabama A&M. That's at least interesting enough, right? Well, I think it's a distinct possibility uh, Texas A&M wins the game. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though it would be an unranked to A&M hosting number 11 Alabama. You know, on its face, it's kind of like the Clemson-Florida State matchup where you say, oh, well. Sneaky problem for the SEC here. If Alabama loses this game, okay, and now we look at games already this year, mm-hmm. and then Georgia somewhere along the way falls to one of these lesser teams. I see where you're going. Well, well, what do we have here, friends? A playoff devoid of a single SEC team on the horizon. What a what a great day. What a great day in America. Well, unless Kentucky's playing for their right to the playoff <laughs> in Atlanta just uh, you I know, guess. eight weeks from now. I guess, but that's another one. That's 7 o'clock. I'll be watching intently. That's yeah. Georgia-Kentucky. Now, that's... I don't know how Kentucky's going to score. I don't. But it could be. Are we looking at 6-3? to three? Could be 16-13 fourth quarter. Please let that be 16-3rd. This is a sneaky park your ass Saturday. Mm-hmm. They all are now. Well, Notre Dame's at Louisville. Yep. 
And we kind of need Notre Dame to win the game. Louisville didn't play anybody else. Well, and Louisville, but still, that doesn't you know help or hurt their ACC championship game aspirations because it's not conference matchup. Yes, but I'm saying but, I don't need them to be undefeated and in the way right. of the teams that are being chosen that have played much better schedule. Unless we're there and undefeated, then they can absolutely run interference for us. Well, I don't know. If they're undefeated by that time, I don't know. <laughs> That's actually a little disconcerting. But, but yeah, you know, it's a perfect spot for them. Given that Notre Dame's played two emotional close finishers sure, and sure Louisville's just been chugging along. Hmm. Secretly, I I gotta tell you, I'm juiced for this Fresno State Wyoming game. Fresno State's top twenty five undefeated. Everybody's in love with Fresno State. I've won some money off of Fresno State, but Wyoming, really, really good at home. They uglify the game. Should be a fun game. I'm catching points, baby. Here we go. That's not very surprising to anybody who knows you, anybody who's been around the War Chant TV chat Let's for a go. half minute of their podcast feed, that Fresno, Wyoming piques your interest is unsurprising. What a late night contest we got there. That's 8 o'clock. It takes you smoothly into the Oregon State Cal game at 10. We only get so many of these, Tom. We only get so many of these games. You can only have so many wagers out there to juice things up over a weekend, and you got ample opportunity in this one. I know that you were already going to watch the Oregon State Cal game, even though it's not a good football game. But you might gonna... be a good football. Cal's secondary is good. <laughs> <laughs> Go the weather around midnight on Saturday into Sunday—it's all turning in our favor, baby. It's going to be brisk. You know what? You open so I get this crosswind in my house where if I have where the where the grill is, where the pit is for my grill on the back, you know that back deck on the left side of the Florida room. Mm-hmm. I open that door up. I let that whisk through that room right there because that's got the that's got the eighty six incher. So you let that wind come through there. It actually bo- kisses off the television oh, too. Oh, beautifully. Yeah, yeah. Kind of takes the warmth from the television Thank with the cool you, breeze. Yes, yeah, like oh, breeze. so nice of you. And then it, then they open up on the other side where the other deck is, and you open that door. Next thing you know, you're sitting at midnight with a frosty beverage in your hand. Ooh, I got to put a jacket on. It's getting a little nippy out here. We're in a tie ball game in the third quarter. I'm going to be up late tonight, hun. Go ahead and go to bed. It's good times. Meanwhile, the neighbor on the left side, the pastor. Yeah, he gets to hear it all. Well, he also gets to see the brightness of oh. the screen through the open oh. door. And he hears it. Hon, can you put on the white noise machine? It's Saturday night. Jeff's got the football on. What he hears in the background is, somebody tackle that son of a bitch! Is what he hears because it's tied at 10 and I'm laying three. Well, it's like... I need the ball back, Tom! It's Kramer's apartment with the red light outside. (laughs) You know, you hear the hum. And then you just have all this light. You gotta get the blackout curtains. He's all right. I think his bedroom's on the other side. It's okay. He did hear... He did hear something interesting not long ago... Uh, last weekend, in fact, I was grilling, and uh, I yelled in twice for my oldest to get something for me that I oh. needed, and the third time is the frustrated GD bomb. Yeah, you knew that's coming, right? You can count it down, right? And then I'm like, ooh, he's out there. Damn it. Didn't know. Didn't know. Remember, son, dad gets to break the commandments in this house, <laughs> not you. Uh, it's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Tonight, the interactive hour, 7 o'clock, myself, Tom Lang, get together, reconvene, 
have a chat with you guys. Ask away. Should be fun. Come on in. 7 o'clock. It's a anxious week. I'm in a good mood. Been uh, doing the right things. Getting plenty of sleep. Think I'll crack a cold one tonight while we chit-chat, Tommy. Well, I mean, that's the right time to do it. It's hump day. It is. It's time. That's right. Mike, 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 Mike. <laughs> I, uh... I look, yeah, I am. I'm. I'm really, really anticipating this weekend's game. It's, it's a fun show too, because it's like we're just kind of bare bones, just yeah. answering your questions. Yeah. Just, it's a little bit like bellying up, but with uh, less cursing. Yeah, there's some, but it's less. Yeah. Usually from you, you got a potty mouth. I try to keep what? it together on these Wednesday shows. <laughs> Get out of here, you guys! Out of control over it's there. Ridiculous. Make me blush while we do the show. <laughs> Preposterous. Uh, Seven I, I want to know what makes you blush when it's not to much. language. There's not much. Seven o'clock. There's not much in the world uh, because I'm a grown-up. But uh, seven o'clock tonight should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, so you're going to laugh at this. I read an article uh, today that was documenting the uh, ineptitudes of the 2021 quarterback class. So you're talking about Wilson, who sucks. Fields, eh, not looking good. Trey Lance doesn't play football. Uh, think about that draft choice again. Oh, man. Guys, <laughs> that, that's a toughie. And then Mac Jones is garbage. So you look at all of these quarterbacks and you're like, yep, suck, suck, suckity, suck, suck, suck for all of them. Here we go. What do we got? And there's a whole lot of nothing. But it made me laugh. This one line, and I'll credit the author in a second when I scroll back up and look at his name. But as I was reading it, I just – Highlighted this because I wanted it to bring. You ever read an article and you just start chuckling? You're like, "Well done, well done, yeah. sir." I, I think he wrote or she wrote this article just for that line. Oh, it's so. How do good. I get there? Is what yeah. Thinking. Oh, it's so yeah. well done. Yeah. If there's a common thread connecting the failures of Wilson, Fields, Lance, and Jones, four wildly different quarterbacks, it's the lack of well-rounded skill. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> right off the bat, that line is a winner. I'm like, you win. That is really, really good. Jones has the passing acumen, but lacks talent. Wilson has plenty of talent, but is incapable of properly harnessing it or reading a defense. Fields is one of the NFL's most explosive playmakers with the ball in his hands, but he can't execute a normal drop-back pass. Lance's size and athleticism weren't enough to make up for his many deficiencies as a passer, and his unfortunate injury history now comes into play. Whew. Lay waste. Just excoriate. Just... Imagine the four of them sitting there in a room having to read that about themselves, like, you know, actors and actresses and famous people reading tweets about themselves. Just like, yeah. good God, man. And they pivot over to the fifth person and, and they say, you know, Jared Goff, I thought you were going to be a part of this article. And I know you're not part of that class at <laughs> no. all. But okay, man. You know who is part of that class? And he wins by default because we're still waiting on greatness. It's Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And he's part of that class. He's got a playoff win. He got off to the roughest start, but that's because Urban Meyer is a clown and was running a freak show. Interesting division. Uh, not good again, but an interesting division. We've got what Stroud's doing with Houston. Well, Turning now that brings early. me to my next point. Have you seen historically some of the numbers that C.J. Stroud has put up? And if you watch him, he can he plays. He's, he's unafraid. Well, and he has all the throws. I'll tell you, man, now – it's early in the game. Yeah. But my question would be, on the heels of what I just read, how quickly do GMs either admit we got the wrong guy? Kind of like when FSU realized they grabbed the wrong co-defensive coordinator. We got the wrong co. 
Oh, no, it was the other guy. It's not the guy we brought in to run the defense. It's the other guy. Damn it, man. Who could have known? Do you think that the GMs, say, at Houston and Carolina are having very different reactions to the decisions? I believe they are. You think your boy in Carolina is already going, oh, man. God, dog it. Well, in the post, it's the wrong guy. I got the wrong guy. In the post Sam Bradford era, where quarterbacks are not paid as much, you've seen one and dones with NFL franchises. Yeah, Josh Rosen is a good Usually example. Usually, there are some other issues off the field that accompany the poor play on it. See, they're still trying to ride with Zach here. Now, I know Aaron Rodgers got hurt, but they did ride with Zach all of last year. Just like, okay, there's ample evidence this kid can't play. But it's funny though at this level. We did a segment. I think maybe three years ago, where we looked outside of the obvious stars, you know, and uh, Big Ben was yeah. still in the league, Breeze was still in the league, but Tom how, Brady, obviously, right, yeah. yeah. But you get to that next wave after the top five, and you go about fifteen deep, and we did an experiment. Uh, did you have you believed both things about each one of these quarterbacks, like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff and Derek Carr, like, and every single one of them, we believed at one point that they were very good. And then we believe that we're they terrible. were not good at all. Yeah. Well, it's the situation matters. Yeah, know? situation matters greatly. Where you get drafted to, who your coach is, what kind of offense they're running, personnel around you, the start you get off to, your offensive line. There are a million factors that you know help dictate. But then there are some that are as old as the position, which is how accurately do you throw a pass from the pocket when you have time? How do you see the field? How do you see the field pre-snap? Do you know what you're looking at? Now that you're not in a college offense looking over the sideline getting information from the coach, can you read it in real time? Can you come to the line of scrimmage and understand protections? Audible to the right one? I mean, you start to see these things, and then there are certain other things that you look at where you go, you know, he's just tiny. I just don't know how he's going to overcome being tiny. Sometimes people do. Or he gets drafted and there's no offensive line to speak of. You're, You're in third and long every drive. Good luck. Well, a good example is happening in Tampa right now. Look, Baker's playing well. There's just no getting around that. And if he continues down this path and plays well this year for the entirety of this season, A, I'll be wrong about the acquisition of Baker Mayfield, which, fine with me. And B, clearly he needed to change the scenery. He needed to get the hell out of Dodge. Things had spoiled, gotten ugly there. And for whatever reason, this OC, his first year in Tampa – has figured out their simpatico. They've got something going there. He speaks to him in a way that rings true. No, it's not like we're kicking ass running the football either. No, you know, so he's having to find a way. He's having to do it himself. It's, yeah. it's, it's just crazy. But I think I've learned enough to say that whatever I thought I thought about a guy a lot of times, either coming out or going into another situation, may not entirely be true. It's a little bit like coming to the understanding some time ago as the numbers began to mount, that a lot of the GMs... Now, listen, we're paid for an opinion, and I'm always going to tell you whether I think a guy can play. And if you remember about the 21 class, I remember me saying over and over again, I don't, I, this is not a fun class. I don't like this class. I'm not a big fan of this class. Now, I may end up being wrong about that. Three of them may go on to be great. They just don't look like it yet. But when, when you, you're always going to have an opinion about a guy, what you think is his strength, what you think is his weakness, what you're worried about when he gets to the league... But what I've come to understand is that if you're astute, you pay attention, and you really care about the evaluation of a player or a team or whatever it might be, 
you you seemingly got a much better shot or close to as good a shot as that team's GM of drafting a quarterback and having it turn out the way you want it. Like, your guess is as good as his. Think about that. No, that's totally fair. We did the num- We ran the numbers on yes. it. It basically is if 50, you're 50. if you're really good at it, it's a little bit better than a coin flip. Barely. But you're not going to feel that on draft day. That coin's in the air, and is it heads or is it tails? It's amazing. But that that's not just for pros. That's for college too. We've got an interesting case study here in Jordan Travis, who looked to be a one-dimensional athlete who you needed to throw the ball just enough that he could yeah. run more. Right. And then it's flipped completely on its head in two years. This is a guy who doesn't want to run as much, has the weapons to throw to the outside, but now we want to see the bridge in the middle a little bit. The pendulum has gone from one extreme to the other with the same player yes. in the course of three years. That is unheard of. Well, it's really weird to watch Jordan's season so far. Now, I got to believe, again, because we had the overwhelming evidence from a year ago that he is a different quarterback than he's shown so far this year, and I think that's the byproduct of injury. He's not read it as well. He's not thrown it as accurately. He's not been a better decision maker this year than he was last. So, last. so we, I, I, I need that to be something that improves as well in these next set of games, of three or four games, where things seem to be certainly overwhelming in four states' favor. See, the one thing I, I'd say, and you could dock him from the NFL perspective if you want for this. but Oh, like, I think you, people will. You're saying that if he runs the ball effectively, he's a better quarterback. I think so. Well, how about if we run the ball effectively? Yeah. I mean, that changes. But I'm not sure that's opening up until he runs the ball. Yeah. I, I think it's going to start with him. That's what the next couple weeks is about. Yeah. Does it have to be Jordan that leads the way with the rushing attack, or can you do it independent of him in a way that resembles what you did last year? Because if that's the case, then, I mean, you could oh, run. Oh, well, yeah, that changes things. All that RPO stuff with mm-hmm. over the middle is going to be wide open. has to be. But right now, you don't have to honor it. This Saturday, buddy. Let's see what it is. Now, they may not want to run him this Saturday. Maybe he's not all the way back to full health. And if that's the case, and you think you could win the game without doing it, which you should be able to do, then fine. It's not advisable, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I I, could just add to that pocket of frustration we all feel if this thing still looks convoluted and clunky and you can't win first downs and you just beat people because you have more talent. That's going to get annoying. It's already annoying. I love being 4-0. I just want them to play up to their capability, which is they. I think they are fully capable of. It's why I am so eager for the game on Saturday, because I think yeah. it's going to be the beginning or the start of something significant, well, something enjoyable to watch. It's it's the Boston College issue. It's not the Clemson issue. It's it's the clunkiness in the second half. You said it in the open that you got about five and a half quarters now of, what the hell is this? Can we get something going Because here, they yeah. were on a crazy roll, yeah. and especially in that second quarter of Boston College. You go on a 28 28- to three or 28 nothing run, whatever it was. But now that you're facing another defense that will give it up if you're willing to take what they're willing to give you. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, can you wipe that taste out of your mouth? Because if you do that, then yeah. you can look back and say, all right, all right, there was a flu bug, and then Clemson's defense is as good as they're going to see all year long. Other than that, we're going to be fine. That but- I believe to be 100% true, by the way. I think of all the things that we posit and we throw out there to try to come up with a reason that this is going well or poorly or both, uh, the number one thing that I think we can all agree on, you, me, all the analysts at WarChan, anybody that's gone to practice, anybody that watches this team and has a discernful eye, Clemson's defense is for real. Yeah, man. Really effing good, and it's going to be all year long. They got good players at every spot on that defense. And there were three or four critical plays in last week's game. And that is a game that, as good as Clemson's defense is, it comes down to eight big plays, you know, one way or the other that helped decide the game. 
And when they're allowed to clutch and grab in a couple of those ah. key moments, well, no, that's what I'm saying. It shrinks the margin even more. It shrinks it even more, especially when you're one-dimensional. Yeah, that's the other part of it. I'm going to take the other side of it. When you're one-dimensional, then it really hurts. I'm just saying, you know, Jaheim Bell's bicep doesn't get tugged and we take the lead in the second half. I don't know that we look back from that moment forward. But it's like anything else. We say in college basketball all the time, which uh, maybe we'll be able to say at some point this year. But if you're down 12 and you go on a run, but you can't get to a tie ball game, you can't take the lead. Can't take the lead, yeah. You're going to crash. You're going to run out of gas. And it just, we did, it took everything we had to tie that ball game up. Including a defensive score. Yeah, typically that's true. It's frustrating. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. little uh, short segment here. I referenced in the first hour the uh, the apathy in St. Petersburg towards a playoff game. Well, it wasn't just my observation. It's a record. It's historically uh, so. 19,000 people, the smallest postseason crowd in 104 years, watched Tampa Bay commit four errors and lose to Texas in the Wild Card Series opener. The last time a community was so unenthusiastic about playoff baseball, according to BaseballReference.com, was when the Black Sox, Chicago, were playing in Cincinnati in the 1919 World Series on the line. They didn't, didn't show up. People got wind. and were like, eh. 1919. So hadn't seen a, wow. a, a worse uh, or more poorly attended postseason game since 1919. They should have shown up just for the Devil Ray uniforms alone. Those man. are sweet. They are. Those are sweet. I hope they don't get rid of them. There are 15 teams in the NFL that are 2-2. Two and two. You wonder why that league is so popular? My God. Everybody's in it. Well, uh, my team isn't. How about your team? Uh, nope. My team is 3-1. and one, That's right. Just like your team, Tom. That's, that's right. 3-1 and one indeed. And more than 3-1, and one, a plus point differential. The rest of that division, negative point differential. All of them. Every last one of their sorry asses. Is it the AFC South where everybody's two and two? It is the uh, AFC South that everybody is two and two. <laughs> the perfect NFL division. No, that's AFC North. Oh, North. No, I'm wrong on both accounts. Sorry, you are correct. South. <laughs> North Dakota was <laughs> his, his brother. brother from West Virginia. Uh, Indianapolis two and two, Houston two and two, Jacksonville two and two, Tennessee two and two, and you don't believe in any of them. Like when you watch them, you're like, eh, nope, nonsense. Don't don't buy it. Don't buy it. And then you're like, well, who are you gonna somebody's gotta win the division? True. So the question is, do any of them have a positive point differential? Two of them do. The Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans. Wow. Houston. They got the quarterback. They got the right guy. They've also got red matte helmets. Yeah. I like them. Uh, I that's like them. That's the best they've best thing they've done yet. Yep. That and draft apparently CJ Stroud because he's really good. No, the North is Baltimore at three and one, Pittsburgh at two and two, Cleveland at two and two, Cincinnati at one and three, and I dropped Joe Burrow yesterday. I, I'm done mm-hmm. with him. I called him into the office and said, "I'm tired of it. You and your sorry ass calf out here killing us. You're killing us. No production whatsoever. Get out of my office." 
I'm going to have to start somebody else. Jordan Love, come in here. Let's go. You're starting this weekend for the Fighting Camerons. Let's go. Jordan Love. I got to do something. Lord knows Joe Burrow can't do a damn thing out here throwing for 60 yards in a game, looking like an ass. Killing us, Joe. I once sung the praises of Joe Burrow in a way that was uncomfortable for many in my audience. Uh, I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan, but I had to cut him yesterday. I just, get out of here. Sick of you. I don't even want to see your face. Get your fur coat on and get out. Done with you. Yes, you can have a cigar. (laughs) Just go. I don't want to see you. I'll see you next year. We'll think about you again. But you're not right. You're hobbling around like you're 80 years old. Can't get out of the way of old people running at you, let alone fit, athletic men who are paid handsomely to get after you. This is awful. This has been a very good year for Red Zone, the channel, because the 1 o'clock window each week has been outstanding television. 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock. That's not always the case. There are a lot of years where it's a dud in the 1 o'clock window or there's just a ton of blowouts. There are crazy comebacks, inexplicably close games. Red Zone has been where it's at this year. Some years I agree with you. You don't get to tell the story well, of the game. but I, You never get to tell the story but, if you watch Red Zone, but sometimes it's fun to engage in football that way, which is different. It's a very different way of watching football. It's not a real way of understanding what a team is no, or is not. No, but if, look. Save for their efficiency in the Red are Zone. You going to, <laughs> yes, are you going to invest in any of the teams in the AFC South? I don't care to watch them start to finish. But I do know that they're going to have a tight uh, last two minutes of the game. And we're well, going to see what happens. I'm starting to enjoy watching the Houston Texans, and that is a sentence that I never thought I would utter in the entirety of my life. I like watching that dude play. They're kind of fun. And once again, if you bet on the NFL, which I do, then you have to watch everybody, Tom. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with